like to go ahead and turn our attention to the to the scriptures. And uh, I'd like for for those who have a Bible and would like to to, to read along with me. Uh, I'm going to take my reading this morning out of the 50th division of the Psalms, Psalm Psalm chapter 50, and uh, we're going to start in the first verse. And uh, and in this Psalm, there's 23 verses, and I'll probably just honestly, we'll probably read the the totality of the uh, of the of this chapter. Uh, and so, this is a Psalm to Asaph. Asaph was uh, was a chief musician, uh, and uh, and he was also a uh, uh, a, a prophet of sort. He was a seer, is the way the Bible says it. And so, uh, and so, uh, when you read, uh, when you're reading about this, there's kind of it, it's it. You can look in the history of this psalm, and it's and, and some believe that this psalm was penned by David, uh, and it was for Asaph to sing. And so, uh, one of the things that we're going to look at here is is uh, is the glory of God, uh, the glory of God, and the majesty of God. In the in 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 the Old and the New Testament, uh, going to be contained within the construct of this psalm. It says, "The mighty God," starting in verse one, "The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence." A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that may that and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens shall declare his righteousness. For God is judge himself. Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee. For the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto the God, unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. But unto the wicked God saith, What hast thou to do? What hast thou to do to declare my statutes, or that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth? Seeing thou hatest instruction and castest my words behind thee, when thou sawest a thief, then thou consentedest. With him, 
and hast been a partaker with adulterers. Thou givest thy mouth to evil, and thy tongue frameth deceit. Thou sittest and speakest against thy brother, thou slanderest thine own mother's son. These things hast thou done. And I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such an one as myself. But I will reprove thee, and set them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this, ye that forget God. Lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. Whoso offereth praise, glorify me. And to him that ordereth his conversation aright, will I show the salvation of God. And that's the end of the chapter right there. That's the, the twenty, all 23 verses. I'd like to take uh, for a title this morning, if, if, if the Lord would allow. Uh, now consider this. Now consider this, ye that forget God. Now consider this, ye that forget God. And so with that, I would like to, uh, to start uh, framing our, our thoughts around what exactly is, 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 is being conveyed uh, through this psalm uh, that was given to Asaph, uh, the chief musician, uh, that it would be proclaimed in song uh, throughout all the land. Uh, and so we see here that the first thing that uh, that the author, assuming it's Asaph or David or, or somebody else, I, I don't know exactly who the penman is that, that wrote this down, um, but the very first thing that they convey is the mighty God. Now, in, the, in, the, in our Bible, uh, in italics, it says, even the Lord, I don't think even is necessarily needed there. The mighty God is the Lord. Jehovah, Jehovah Elohim, he is the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, uh, the creator of everything seen and unseen, uh, and, uh, and there he is, and, uh, and everything good, that is. He didn't, create, he didn't create evil, he didn't create sin. I want to make sure that you understand that. There's a lot of people that believe he created sin. I do not believe that. I believe sin is an absence of the Lord. It's a turning away from the Lord, and that's when sin comes in. Uh, and so he says, he says this at the Lord uh, and and the call that, that that He hath spoken. Now we go to Genesis chapter one. We read about the beginning of the world, and He's reminding them. I believe this is my personal interpretation of this, and, and I believe it can be backed up with God's with the Scripture as well. Um, but He's He's putting them in the frame of the mighty God, and what's the greatest act of God's might? Uh, at this point in time in the world, it would have been when God, through the spoken word, created heaven and earth. It says, from the rising of the sun to the going down thereof, in the cool of the day, God would come walking in the garden, wouldn't he? It was in the cool of the day that he came walking in the garden and he was looking for Adam after he had sinned and he would eat the fruit of the tree, though not by deception, as most people think. Eve tricked him. No, he willfully ate it. God comes walking in the cool of the day and he says, Adam, where are you? 
See, Adam didn't keep the perfection that he was created with. He was created upright. He was created perfect. He was created sinless. And he gave all of that up willfully for his wife, for Eve. He watched Eve eat it. And she offered it to him, and he did eat too. She was deceived. He was not. That's what we learn in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. She's reminding you about the power of God in the first verse, the awesome power. Chris Tomlin wrote a song that said, Our God is a mighty God. He is an awesome God indeed, and He is. Uh, the, act, the creation is an act that if we look at it through the lens of uh, 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 that it was actually what it is, is creation, it, is, it should leave us in awe of the things that God can do. Those that promote the Big Bang... I believe there was a big bang. I just believe it was after God said, bam. <laughs> there was nothing, and then God spoke, and bam, there was something. So, yeah, I believe there was a big bang. <laughs> Not in the construct that they believe it, though, because their construct is to strip the awesomeness of God out of it. That it was just accidental. That it was just happenstance. Folks, it's, the universe is too is set up in a way that it can't be happenstance. It's too regimented. It's too well thought out. It's intricate. You should be able to know by the human body itself the intricacy with which the human body is created, is developed, is such that even doctors recognize it. I remember I had a spider bite on my hand, and it set up staff and it hurt it was right between my knuckles i can't remember i think it was on my left hand but i can't recall no it was on my right hand because i had to use my left hand for everything and i had this spider bite on between my between my uh, sec, uh my, my middle uh, knuckle and my and my ring finger knuckle here on the right hand and uh and it was real painful so i went to the doctor and the doctor looked at it and i said well can't we lance it and the doctor said no <laughs> i was like why not he goes, do you not understand how intricate the human hand is? He said, nobody's going to cut on your hand unless they absolutely have to. And I was like, well, why? He said, because the way that it's created, the way it's made, is all you have to do is make one slight mishap. You will cut something that you didn't need to cut, and it will render it useless. Think about how intricate your hand is. God stretches his hand out toward us all the time. Think about this. Uh, in the next verse, he says, Out of Zion. Out of Zion. Where's Zion? A lot of people say it's over in Palestine. Specifically, that it's in Judea, that it's... Uh, that it's uh, uh, that it's Israel, or actually it wouldn't be Israel. Israel became a pagan heathen country. It would have been Jude Judah. It would have been the temple.
We're in Zion this morning. The church is Zion. I'm going to prove it with this verse of Scripture right here. He says, out of Zion. Out of Zion. Remember, he's taken that first verse of the creation of God, and, and he talked about how God, uh, through, his spoke, through his voice, by spoken word, created everything, and, and that, it was, uh, that it was from the rising of the sun to the going down thereof. And in the course of that, as we said, Adam was created in perfection, but he abandoned it. He didn't keep the, the word of the Lord. And, and so here he says, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty. Who's, what is that? What is the perfection of beauty? Have you ever thought about that question? What is the perfection of beauty? What is the most that is the most beautiful thing that could, there could be? I'll tell you this, it's fairer than all of men. It's even more fair than the angels. You know what? He it's the express image of God. Jesus Christ is the perfection of beauty. That's it. He is the perfection of beauty. Now for us to look at Jesus Christ, to look upon Him in His regular life, there was no form nor comeliness, right? There was nothing. He was just a regular guy, I think. I don't think He was ugly. I think He was just... I think he was probably a handsome guy, but not like not like somebody uh, that uh, uh, not somebody who like Saul. You know, they they followed after Saul because of his stature. I don't believe they followed after Jesus because of his stature. I believe they followed after Jesus because of his works. As a matter of fact, when he showed up at the Baptism of John, John says time and time again, he says, I, I didn't know him. I knew him not. If, if he would have been known by stature, John would have recognized him the moment he arrived on the scene and he would have said, there is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now, he did say that eventually, but he does make the statement multiple times. I knew him not. I didn't know who he was. But out of Zion. Now Zion is also the perfection of beauty. Why? Because Zion is purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. The most beautiful thing in the world. Uh, the blood of Jesus Christ being poured out on the ground, given for all of humanity, that they might flow into the that they might flow into Zion through repentance of uh, sin, uh, right? Uh, through uh, through the through the new birth, uh, that they might come into Zion, and also out of Zion, it says God hath shined or shone out. Now, I want you to stop about this, and I want to use a verse of Scripture to kind of back this up. 
And, uh, and I'd like to go over to the book of John. Uh, in John chapter 1, we're going to read, in, starting in verse 6, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. John the Baptist, we know who this is. And it says, And the same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. Believe what? To the saving of their soul. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And and I want to tell you this, and I want to back up to the fifth verse now, and I'm doing this on purpose, because this light that's going to shine out of Zion, the human heart, uh, the human mind, can't comprehend it. And that's what exactly it says in the fifth verse. And it says, And the light shineth in the darkness. Folks, we're in darkness right now, aren't we? I believe we are. And the darkness comprehended it not. Remember that verse. It's going to come back into play. We go back over. And I don't want to spend all this, uh, every moment of this time on it, but, uh, but here's the question. He says, out of Zion, uh, the, the God hath shined. Now that word that's, uh, that's, that's translated as shine can also be has shown out, uh, or has shined out, uh, or shown out. Uh, uh, of, uh, uh, from Zion out into the darkness and so that's exactly the, the thing it's talking about our God uh, our God shall come and he shall not keep silence now when's he going to come this is the question uh, in the verse of, in, this, in this thing that we're looking at when's he coming is it his first coming is it, it his first advent uh, that which we read about when he was uh, uh, when he was conceived of the Holy Spirit in, uh, in the womb of Mary uh, was it then or was it, or is he talking about at the second advent? Let's read that whole verse again. And our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him. And it shall be very tempestuous round about him. I want you to, I want to try to put this verse of scripture into your mind. And I want you to understand something. That today and the day that we're living in, uh, the reason that we see a lot of the things that we see is because a lot of people have forgotten God. Never remember that was our that was our title for today. That was our title. Now consider this, ye that forget God. He says, our God shall come. When's he coming? Let's look at the evidence that's given here. And shall not keep silence. That is a very big clue, isn't it? That he's going to come, and when he comes, he's not going to keep his, he's not going to hold his tongue. I want you to understand something. This was not at the first advent of Christ. Not before his death. Because he held his tongue. He, he, he remained silent. Before his, before those, before his accusers. 
He did not return railing accusation with railing accusation, or he did not rebuke them. He stayed silent. Remember, Pontius Pilate, when he's questioning Jesus Christ, he says, why won't you answer my questions? And of course, I'm paraphrasing that. Don't you understand? I have the power to destroy you. And, uh, and Jesus looks at him and says, you don't have the power to do anything unless my Father gives it to you. It wasn't there. Where was it at? Now we know that during the course of his life that he had plenty of interactions and plenty of times where he spoke. But I don't think it fits the context of the verse that we're looking at here. Let's look at the rest of it. And a fire, and a fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. Now, I don't believe it's at the second advent, even though he's not going to remain silent at the second advent. We know that in the day that the Lord returns, there will be a shout, and, and the trump of the archangel will sound, uh, and the dead in the Christ shall rise, and then those that remain will rise again, or, or rise next, uh, and they'll be taken w- with him, uh, and they'll be judged. Now, those that believe in the left behind, they're not going to be left behind for very long. They're not going to have time to worry about setting up civil governments, and they're not going to be worried. They're not going to have time to, to set up things that we think of as we think of them in this world because it's only going to take that long. The, the judgment of the, of the people of God will be over like that, and then everyone else will be gathered together on the left hand of God and they will hear those words, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. It's not at the second advent because when he comes back then, he's not coming back to establish a kingdom. He's coming back to judge the world in righteousness. However, at the day of Pentecost, after the Lord had triumphantly resurrected from the grave and victory was secure, victory over hell, victory over death, victory over sin, uh, and, uh, and, and he walked among his people. Some 500 people, I believe, had, had, had given recordance of seeing him after he had been, had been, uh, crucified. Um, and he's ascended into heaven, uh, there at the day of Pentecost when they're all gathered together. We can read about it over in the book of Acts, but I'm not going to turn over there because I don't want to tarry your patience. Uh, but they're there and they're all of one mind and they're all of one accord. They're united and the Spirit of God comes down and is poured out upon that place in such a way and with such power and with such might that every person that was there from all the countries of the world uh, that had come to Jerusalem to worship heard the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed in their own language. Power. That's the power of God. And he said, 
You will not keep silence, right? We don't have to go over there and read it, but we know the great commission that he said, that you will take that gospel into all the world and preach and teach uh, in the name of Jesus, in, in, in his name, uh, repentance and... Uh, rem- well, let's just go over there. I don't want to mess it up. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just not... Uh, not recalling like the way I want. All powers given unto me in heaven and in earth. There you go. Uh, all powers given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them, observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And so right there tells you, he says, your obligation, your job now is not to remain silent, but to go out into the world and to proclaim, proclaim the gospel. And not keep silent. The problem that we have in the world today, not just in the United States of America, but throughout the entire world, is too many Christians have left God in the, in the, within the walls of the church and has not taken it out to the world the way it was designed. He said, you will not keep silent. And he didn't say it would be easy. In this very verse, he says, And it shall be very tempestuous around about him. That means it will be a storm after storm after storm of you're going to be a walking in the Christ, uh, walking in the light of the Lord and proclaiming the gospel of Christ. You will face storms after storms after storms and storms That would make the one that we just witnessed strike the country look like small potatoes. You say, I don't believe that. Well, all we have to do is look in the scripture. Saul, Saul of Tarshish was a man breathing out threatenings to the church of God, seeking out from, uh, seeking out, uh, from those who were in places of command in the Pharisees' religion, uh, that uh, uh, that he would be able to go and search out those Christians, uh, those followers of Jesus Christ in the synagogues, wherever they may be found, and may bring them back to Jerusalem, that they may be dealt with. And when I say dealt with, I mean killed, because remember, he was consenting to the death of Stephen. He was there. And as they prepared to stone Stephen, he was the one who said, stone him. We read about the church after it was flushed out, after it was flushed out of Jerusalem. All the troubles, all the trials that it it suffered. This thing was not supposed to be easy, folks, and we've just gotten too lax. He shall call the heavens above and, 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 and above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Remember, he's going to gather them together. Verse 5 says he's going to gather his saints together unto me. I want to go down just a little bit. The New Testaments, the New Covenants in here. 
This, this, this psalm proclaims the new covenant. And you say, I don't, I don't necessarily know that it can, can it? And I'm going to prove to you that it does. Verse 7, he says, Hear, O my people, I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. See, if you want to become a child of God, first thing you've got to know is that you are an enemy of God, and that God, that you've sinned in his sight, and that you have got something to repent of. He tells them, he says, I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. In other words, he's saying, I'm not going to rebuke you for those, those I told you to do. He says, I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds. He's not taking anything from us by force. Right? And the reasoning he gives for that is because Every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I don't, I don't have a need for anything that you can offer me. A lot of the problems we have in the world today is because people think that they need to help out God. <laughs> Instead of acknowledging God as the Almighty, the one who is omnipotent, whose power is unmatched uh, in throughout all the universe, in all of creation, uh, and, and instead they want to help him out. But here he says, I don't need your help. <laughs> I'm God. I inhabit eternity. <laughs> Listen to what he says. I love this 12th verse. He says, if I were hungry, I would not tell thee. <laughs> Why? Because every beast, because every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle upon a thousand hills. There's nothing that you can give me. Because <laughs> he says it, he says, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. I don't have to ask you for anything. It's mine already. Now here's where I want to say that I believe that he's going to advocate for the new covenant. He asks a question. I believe he's asking it rhetorically. And I believe it's actually a, a picture of communion, right? Of the Lord's Supper. Using types instead of the antitype. Doing one thing that he said he's forbidden us to do. But Jesus said, you better do it. Will I eat the flesh of bulls for their strength? Or will I drink the blood of goats that take away our sins? Remember, it was the scapegoat that they would lay their hands on and release it into the wild. And that was the sin bearer, wasn't it? The sin was transferred to the scapegoat and the scapegoat would carry the sin away. Over in Hebrews... Over in Hebrews, we read, uh, we read a verse, a very familiar verse. It says, For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats and with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled 
both the book and the people, saying, This is the blood of the New Testament, which God hath enjoined unto you. But let's back up. I think I've lost my spot. Um, I know I've lost my spot. Where it says, but it's not by the blood of bulls and goats. I've lost my spot. Anyway, it's not by the blood of bulls and goats that we that sin is absolved. Um, oh, here it is, tenth chapter. Duh, I'm looking in the ninth chapter. So that's where he talks. Uh, uh, that's where he talks about the the, the 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 blood of the bulls and the goats, and that was used to, and that was used, and it was sprinkled on the book and all the people, and it was a testament of which God had enjoined unto them. Uh, and moreover, he sprinkled the blood with the uh, the blood uh, sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things by the law are per- are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. But he says in the tenth chapter in the fourth verse, but it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. It's not possible. I thought about making this my, let's say that this is our subtitle, okay? (laughs) Offer unto God thanksgiving. For everything. Offer unto God thanksgiving. We, we don't do that anymore, do we? We do it one time a year, but usually we'll, at Thanksgiving we'll stop and we'll say, oh, we thank the Lord for everything He's provided for us over the course of the year. But you know what? What happened the other 364 days? Did God not do anything good for those other 364 days that He should receive the praise of His people? Because that's a sacrifice that we're supposed to give to God, I would contend, daily. Praise the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let them not remain silent. Let them speak it. Let them speak it among the people. Offer unto God thanksgiving. Now, I want to I want you to remember this, right? Because he's talking about, about, about sacrificing, right? Uh, the blood of bulls and uh, the flesh of blood of uh, of bulls, which which I think you can very easily point to the flesh of Christ, which was the bread that He broke there at the Last Supper, and the blood of goats, which I believe could very easily you could say that's the that's the uh, that's the the cut the fruit of the vine, which the Lord uh, had uh, provided for his uh, for his disciples there uh, at the then that he that he recalled or recounted as being his blood. And he told them to eat it and to drink it. Over in the first, uh, over in First Samuel chapter fifteen, verse twenty-two, uh, the the question is asked, uh, where Samuel says, "And Samuel said, At the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the Lord, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than to sac- than sacrifice, and to hearken, which means to listen, than the fat of rams."
to listen than the fat of rams. Then he says, pay thy vows unto the Most High. If you're going to vow a vow to the Lord, you better pay it. If you stand before the Lord and you take a woman as your wife and you say, uh, as long as I live, uh, you know, and, and all the things that's laid out, uh, I will not leave her, I will not depart her, uh, you better honor it. Or you better restrain, restrain yourself and refrain from marrying. And call upon me in the day of trouble. Now, this is certainly the day that we find ourselves lost and, and undone. When we realize we're separated from God, that is a day of a lot of trouble. That's the way we typically look at this, isn't it? I believe, it, I believe it's applicable because it's certainly an affliction that you go through when, you get, when, you, when the Lord convicts you of your sins uh, and, uh, and you wrestle with those things uh, and, and you finally get to a place where you can give it all up uh, and, uh, and, and render it over to God uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, and through godly sorrow repent of your sins. Repentance is granted and, uh, and, and then faith is, uh, faith is granted as well uh, and that faith is placed in Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul that certainly uh, applies and, and because he says I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me but that's also meaning any day of trouble <laughs> any day of trouble that we find ourselves in Remember, he just told the church at the beginning that you're going to go out, uh, you're going to go out, and you're going to proclaim my word. And but it's not going to be easy because there is going to be a tempestuous storm round about you all the time. And when you find yourself in that place. See, folks, we need deliverance more than one time in our life. We need deliverance more than one time in our life. Every time we find ourselves in trouble, we need the Lord to help and to intervene and to take over the situation and deliver us from it. And when He does, we better offer the praise of thanksgiving, right? We better offer... Unto God thanksgiving. We better praise Him. We better make sure that people know because when we praise the Lord, we glorify the Lord. Now, why is it that, the, that we don't see, that we don't have the power of God the way we used to in church? You know why? Because we don't glorify Him. We don't glorify Him the way He expects to be glorified. He wants us to tell it when He's done something great for us. Praise Him publicly. Glorify Him. Let people know what the Lord has done for you. As it pertains to your salvation, yes. But every time He delivers you out of trouble, praise Him and glorify Him. We will have power then we will have awesome power 
We will have abundant power. We will have the power of the God, of God who spoke the world into his existence then. Uh, the one who uh, manifested himself here in the world that we all might... Uh, have remission of sin. Now I'm going to wrap this up really quickly in the last in this last section. That's for the righteous. That's for the godly. That's for those of us that's been saved. But be careful because within the confines of that same institution within the confines of Zion. This is not talking about outside of Zion. This is talking about inside of Zion. And it's using Israel as a type, I believe. But unto the wicked God saith, What hast thou to do to declare my statutes, or that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth? Now look at the way the language is worded there. Because it's somebody who decides to take God's statutes, somebody who decides to take God's covenant and put it in their mouth themselves. That's not the new covenant. The new covenant is God cutting out the old stony heart and replacing it with a heart of flesh that Ezekiel prophesied about. That's the new covenant. See, the word's not placed into your mouth. The word's placed into your heart, and it's a fire. Uh, it's a fire. Jeremiah recounted it as a fire which burns and grows, and, and if you try to suppress it, you can't do it. He says, you take my statutes, you take my covenants, but you hatest my instruction. These were the Pharisees, folks. They hated the instruction of the Lord. Gee, they didn't want to hear what Jesus had to say. And this happens today, doesn't it? They hatest instruction and castest my words behind me. Now, in the, in the case of the Pharisees, we know what they did. They took the tradition and they placed it above the Word of God. And they made the Word of God of none effect. They side with thieves. They side with adulterers. They speak evil by, by speaking deceit and fraud. And they sit us and speak us against their brother. And where is it that they sit? They sit in Moses' seat. And they slander thine own mother's son. Jesus was bone of their bone and flesh of their flesh. He was their people. And they looked at him and they said, Crucify him. Crucify him. I read a really remarkable statement that someone made. Now, I don't know what their beliefs are, but the statement, I was like, wow. He said the mob will always choose Barabbas. That is a fact. Because you've given over reason. You've ceased to reason. And you are marauding like brute beast. These things thou hast done. We wonder why we're where we're at today. We wonder why the church is where it's at today. The 
Lord says, These things thou hast done, and I have kept silence. Because he's long-suffering to us, were didn't he? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. That Jesus Christ is the light of the world set before men. The Word of God. The Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. And the Lion of the tribe of Judah. But he kept his silence. Though thou thoughtest I was altogether such an one as thyself. He, they, they thought of God as nothing more than a man. But I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this. We're going to stop here. Now consider this. The peril that comes with forgetting the Lord. Now, we come to church every Sunday, but from Sunday to Sunday, in between, do we forget the Lord? If we do, we're not, we're not being the Zion that we're supposed to be. For those that take the statute of the Lord and the covenant of the Lord and place it in their own mouth. They were never the Lord's. He never cut out the old stony heart and replaced it with the heart of flesh whereby what they, they can feel. Ye that forget God. I read a, I read a, a back and forth between a couple gentlemen or people. I don't know what they were. One guy said, you better fear the Lord. And this guy comes back and he says, wrong, you don't fear the Lord, you love the Lord. I wanted to reply, I, just, I don't get into that stuff. I wanted to reply and say, you're, both, you're arguing two sides of the same coin. You have to love him and you better fear him because he will judge you. I don't know of anybody that stood before the judge and didn't feel some fear. And he's the judge of judges. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. Those of us that are members of Zion, citizens of Zion, Remember, remember, we want, we want revival, don't we? we? We don't, hey folks, we need to stop saying we want revival and we need to change our mindset on that and we need to say we need revival. We better change that. We, we, we better stop saying we want it. We better get to a, a place in our heart where we say we need it. We better pray like that. We better pray like that. We want the spirit and power of God back in the church. We better praise the Lord when he, when he deserves it. He expects it. When he, when he pours his providence out on us, he should get the praise. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright, which means lives his life in the right way, will I, will I show 
the salvation of God. Now it's not by works lest any man should boast, but we're created unto good works. We need the majesty and the power of God back in the church, don't we? This is how we get it. We remember of the awesome power of God. We remember where the sharp two-edged sword comes from. It comes from the mouth of the Lord, doesn't it? We put ourselves in tough spots. Especially when we have to advocate for the Lord. And when He delivers us from those troublesome times, we glorify Him and praise Him and show thanks. That's what's expected of us. If you're here today and you're lost, He's a present help in a day of trouble. You're in, and it's a day of trouble for you if you know that you're lost and separated from the Lord. Come and seek the Lord for the salvation of your soul. If you're here and you're saved and you've forgotten the Lord and you know you've forgotten the Lord, come and seek the Lord. we got enough space. Everybody could seek the Lord if they wanted to. If they would just do it. That's my message this morning. I, I pray you got a blessing out of it. <clears throat> I pray it makes us think about it as well and that we take it with us, study it. Brother Williams.